Thanks, Megan and Kate. Uh, good to see you at church. My name is Liam, and welcome if you're new or visiting. Uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 19, so keep that open. And today is the last of our series in the parables, that is, of Luke. And the story of Luke is that Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. And as Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, there are expectations that are rising. People are expecting Jesus to bring in God's kingdom. And although that's right, Jesus will die and he will establish the kingdom by his death. There's a twist. The kingdom won't immediately appear. And so Luke reveals Jesus' purpose in telling this parable. Have a look at verse 11 of Luke chapter 19. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Uh, Yes, Jesus is heading to uh, die, to establish God's kingdom, but there's going to be a delay. It's a two-stage kingdom. It'll be start on when he dies, it'll be completed when he returns. And so Jesus wants the disciples to be prepared, prepared for the delay. And he wants the disciples and those who are listening to make good use of their time while they wait for Jesus to return. And of course, this question is still relevant for us today. Uh, Most of us here are followers of Jesus and we are waiting for Jesus to return to have the kingdom of God fully and finally established. And so the question goes, well, if there is a delay, what is the best use of our time? What does Jesus expect you to do if he asked you today, uh, would you be doing what Jesus wants you to do with your time? Are you focusing on the right things? Are you wasting your time on the wrong things? Uh, This is what this parable seeks to answer. And of course now there will be some people in this building who aren't following Jesus or maybe just not sure. Uh, And this parable has a stark warning about what's to come for those people who don't put their trust in Jesus. And so I hope and my prayer is that this will encourage you to either start following Jesus or at least investigate more about who he is. Now, I've got a a couple of questions for you, so just be ready. I'm going to ask you some questions, which means I'd love for a response. Okay, and now I think Megan's kind of helped us out a bit, so we've sort of cheated, but I won't hold that against you. Okay, but there are three main characters in the the story, in the parable. The first one uh, is the king. Uh, Who is the king? Don't be, don't be afraid. Close. It's God come in, the, in Jesus. All right, so John, I'll give you full marks. Full marks to John. So Jesus is the king, the nobleman. Uh, who are the servants? Us. Yeah, followers of Jesus. Full marks again. Terrific. And the last one, are, uh, who are the citizens or the subjects? This one might be a bit tricky because we didn't, we we didn't get it here. Uh, it's people who don't want Jesus as their king. So there are three characters in the parable. The king, 
the servants and the citizens or the subjects. Now, going back to our question, what does Jesus expect from his followers as they wait for him to return? Uh, And how should we use our time wisely as we wait? Well, the answer to that question is in this parable, and I think the answer to that question is this, and this is the first point of the sermon, put to work what the king has given you. Uh, Make use of what Jesus has entrusted you. As the nobleman leaves to become king, he entrusts each servant with one mina. How much is a mina worth? All right, another question. What do you reckon? In today's maybe money, how much do you think a mina is worth? A quarter of your income for the year. Pauline McCoy. Oh, man, go to the head of the class. Um, yeah, it's, it's roughly about three months' worth of wages. And um, that's not a small amount. It's not, I don't give that much pocket money, by the way, to my kids. Okay? It's not a small amount. And so what does the king instruct his servants to do with it? Um, have a look at verse 13. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. And so what he tells them to do is invest the money, do something with the money, make use of the money. And notice how he emphasises, let the money do the work. Now, Amina, um, as we've heard, is about three months' worth of wages. uh, And I looked up the ABS because I'm boring. Okay, let's look at the statistics. And the average uh, weekly earnings for full-time adults, if you um, put that together for three months, is approximately $22,000. That's not small. It's sizable. And I think, actually, uh, that makes us uh, think, well, this is something that the king trusts his servants with. Uh, Would I give each of my kids $22,000? Maybe not just yet, but... uh, But this shows the king's trust for his servants. And it also shows the privilege and honour to be given the responsibility to be involved in the king's work while he's away. So each servant is given the responsibility, but also the permission to put the money to work, invest it, um, make something of it. Now, before we look at how the servants go with the task, um, if Jesus is your king and you serve him then you've been given gifts from God to put to work in his service. And while we wait for Jesus' return, God has given you gifts and the gospel to serve Jesus and expand his kingdom. And as Megan mentioned, we have been given, I think, two things. Firstly, the gospel the wonderful message of forgiveness and salvation uh, because we trust in that. Some people think God will accept us if we serve him, but this reminds us, no. The gospel is the good news that God will only accept us because Jesus served us by dying for us. And so each follower has been given the gospel to, to kind of, well, invest, make use of in the kingdom. And each follower of Jesus has been given gifts time and resources. So that's what we've been given. Not to serve ourselves, but to serve Jesus and his kingdom. And notice that these things are given, they're an act of God's grace. 
You didn't earn those gifts, but by his graciousness, he is willing to share them with you so that you can do things with those gifts. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you you get the gospel, you know what that is, and so uh, Jesus is asking you, what are you going to do with the gospel? But maybe you're not quite sure about the gifts that you have. What are my gifts? Um, Maybe you need to ask someone, a growth group leader, uh, come and talk to me or a friend of yours and maybe they can give you some, shed some light about what you're good at and what, what you can do to be helpful to the king and the kingdom. But whatever those gifts are, what, it, what God is saying to you today is that while you wait for Jesus, make the gospel work. Invest in serving Jesus and expanding his kingdom with your gifts and time and resources. And that might mean you might need to review how you are currently investing your time. How are you using your money? And what are you doing to show that you're a follower of Jesus? And how do you put out the gospel? These are good questions to be asking. Now, of course, this will depend upon each person because we're not all the same. And I think that's the lovely thing about this parable. Uh, Jesus is not expecting you to do the exact same thing as the person that you're sitting next to. We're all different. We all have different circumstances. And so God just wants you to not be worried about what other people are doing, but work out what you should be doing and how you should be faithful with what he's given you. But I think sometimes when we hear this this question of investing, what we've been given, we maybe feel burdened, Or maybe we feel uncertain. You know, like, how do I know that I'm being faithful? How do I know that I'm putting to work what God has given me? And so how do we answer these questions? Uh, Maybe another way to ask these questions is, what is the minimum Jesus wants? Now, I think this is a dangerous question. I'm going to put it out there. Uh, To ask what's the least Jesus requires is always a dangerous question. The Christian life is about maximums. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. So I think it's always dangerous to ask, well, what can I get away with? And I I think um, there is danger in that. But I actually think in the rest of the parable... It's actually an okay question because I think it gets answered. What is the minimum Jesus expects? Well, this is the second point and this is, I think, the answer. What does Jesus expect from his servants? Just do something and avoid doing nothing. That's it. Jesus just expects his servants, to just try, just do something. He, he doesn't want you to simply do absolutely nothing. Serve Jesus by giving it a go. And we get this from the way the king particularly assesses the servants and particularly the third servant. So let's now have a look at how the king assesses, how he gives out the report cards for how the servants went. So let's look at the first and second response of the two servants. Verse 16 is the, the first servant. But Jesus called... Oh, I 
read the wrong chapter. Good job, Liam. The first one came and said, Sir, your minna has earned ten more. Um, now, for the, for the maths gurus, that's a thousand percent profit. That's incredible. But you notice that the servant doesn't take credit. What does the servant say? Your minna has earned 10 more. And I think this is beautiful because the servant recognizes he's simply a steward. He just looks after the king's property. This isn't just false humility. It's the servant's understanding that he is responsible for the king's money. It's not his. And serving Hish reminds us that it's all about Jesus and it's not about us. It's an absolute honor to serve the king a real privilege to be entrusted with the king's business. And this is a great reminder. And especially, I think, it might be a great reminder for uh, some of us at church who serve a lot. Sadly, and I think this is sad, but with lots of what happens around church, it's usually the 20% that do the 80% of the serving. And I think sometimes the 20%, as much as they're um, joyful and uh, want to serve, um, sometimes they get discouraged and feel like I'm doing everything and there are people who are doing nothing. But then we start to think, well, uh, maybe I'm better than others. You know, I'm, they're doing nothing. I'm doing everything. And then we become entitled Um, But what this reminds us is that serving Jesus isn't about being noticed or appreciated. We serve Jesus because he is our king. And it's a good reminder, and especially if you're grumpy uh, in terms of serving, um, keep looking to the king. But going back to the parable, we see that this first servant is rewarded for being faithful with the money. And he's rewarded with words of affirmation. Now, if you know about the five love languages, you know words of affirmation is a wonderful way to express love. And um, um, that's the way people can love me. No, no, just kidding, kidding. But words of affirmation are wonderful and it's, 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 it's lovely how the king recognizes what the servant has done. What does he say to the servant? Well done, my good servant. Isn't that wonderful? So he's affirmed, but he's also rewarded, and the rewards are incredibly out of proportion. If you think about um, the reward, uh, the servant is entrusted with one mina, that's you know, $22,000. What's the reward? You can look after 10 cities. Now, I assume that, that just seems out of proportion, don't you think? All right, you looked after 22 grand, terrific. Now you can run 10 cities with budgets of millions and billions of dollars. It seems out of proportion, but that's the beauty of the king. He wants to reward out of proportion. And, and so it's thrilling, isn't it, to see um, that one day Jesus will say to you, well done, my servant. I think that's actually um, thrilling. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You know how you, you led that, you did that, you know how you... Put your, 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 yourself out and, and you were, well done, my good and faithful servant. I get the affirmation. I think that's brilliant. But what about the responsibility? I, I, to be honest, when I thought, oh, in charge of 10 cities, oh, oh man, that that's just seems like a whole lot of headaches, don't you reckon? 
But I, I think that's because we, we, we're thinking about this world. Um, responsibility is a beautiful thing. Um, we were made to be responsible for the world, um, but of course our sinful world has tainted how we think about responsibility. But when Jesus returns and brings in the new creation, there's not going to be any of the, the, the curse. It's all going to be joy and all going to be blessing. And the kingdom of God just reminds us when it comes in its fullness, it'll be about serving God with differing levels of responsibility, all blessing, no curse. And so it'll be a great reward. Now, what would that look like? I'm not 100% sure, but what I do know is the reward will be out of proportion. And that's the first servant. And the second servant's similar. They're kind of in the same boat. He's earned 500% profit, so he's given responsibility for five cities. Both servants are affirmed. Both servants are rewarded. And when it comes to the third servant, however, this is where it, it, it can be both reassuring and unsettling. So let's look at verse 20 to see the report card for the third servant. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. Well, at least he hasn't lost it. Well, no, that's not good enough. Is the king expecting 1,000% profit or 500% profit from this servant? Well, no, he's not. Have a look at verse 23. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back I could have collected it with interest? Uh, It's beautiful. The amount of profit is not the point. It's being faithful with what's given to you. That's the point. The king would have been happy with a term deposit. And if you know RBA interest rates at the moment, and of course everyone probably doesn't, 4.35%. That's all he wants. 4.35% is the current interest rate. The point isn't 1,000% or 500%. The point is, have you been faithful with what you've been given? And this servant has failed. He's done absolutely nothing. But that's actually, I think, the encouraging thing is that as servants of Jesus, Jesus' minimum expectation is just have a go. Use what God's given you for his glory and his kingdom. Don't just think, oh, I can't be like that person and I can't be like that person. That's not the point. The point is have a go. Just make sure you don't do absolutely nothing. Serve Jesus with the gospel. Serve Jesus with the gifts you've been given. Just do something. But of course, I just want to asterisk that. Um, Once you do something, why not seek to do more? Okay? But the minimum requirement is just to do something. And watch out for the temptation to do nothing. Um, Because he's judged for it. Verse 22, the servant is judged for it. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Do you you see what the, the, the king calls him? Wicked servant. To waste the gifts of the king is evil. The servant is called wicked and he's not rewarded. What he has is taken away. Verse 24. Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. 
Now, I'm not sure what taking away the mina will be for us as modern-day followers of Jesus um, who do nothing with God's gospel and gifts, but it's clear there's no reward. So, can I encourage you? Have a go. Try. Try to work out what does it mean to be faithful with what God's given me and, and just simply don't do nothing. And by God's grace... I think the third servant is still accepted into God's kingdom because of the gospel. Even though he, he, he has no reward, he'll get in by the skin of his teeth because of the gospel. But there, are, but there is a situation where people won't get into the kingdom and that's the citizens. Their rebellion will not be forgiven. Now, there's time to, to not rebel, to turn to the king now, to pledge your allegiance, but the terrifying and frightening news is found in verse 27. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Um, we might see that as harsh, but um, the reality is that when we reject and rebel against God, we deserve punishment. What's worse than being a servant of Jesus who doesn't use their gifts, uh, that it's being an enemy of God, being a person who doesn't recognise Jesus as king and the consequence is punishment. Well, let's start to wrap it up. To summarise, um, while we wait for the king, how should we use our time? Um, use what God has entrusted you. He's given you his gospel. He's given you gifts, time and resources and use them to serve Jesus and the kingdom. And don't just do nothing. But I want to finish asking the question, what's going to help you to keep going in serving Jesus while you wait? Because um, it's going to take time. Jesus, we don't know when he will return, but he'll return. And serving can be difficult. It can go unnoticed. It takes sacrifice. It's costly. And of course, there's always a temptation to do absolutely nothing. And so what will keep you motivated? Well, you could say, look at the rewards. Look at the day when Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. When the king will reward you out of, out of proportion, just because you were faithful with what he, what he gave you. So looking at the rewards is helpful, yes. Or maybe it's looking at the consequences you don't want to come before Jesus and when he asks you, what have you done? And you say, I did absolutely nothing. Uh, that makes me incredibly fearful. I don't like the idea of Jesus calling me wicked. Or having nothing or no reward. Or maybe what keeps you motivated is the actual value of investing in the kingdom. When you think about the kingdom and its work, you know it's important. It'll change lives. It'll have eternal consequences for your friend, your neighbour, your work colleague or even that complete stranger. So maybe that can motivate you. The carrot, the stick or the importance of kingdom work. Well, I think they're helpful but they shouldn't be our main motivation. I think they do help us. But the main motivation has got to be Jesus himself because that's the problem that the, the third servant has. He doesn't quite know Jesus. Verse 21. 
I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. And this is what the servant thought, but he's absolutely wrong. We know from the parable that the king isn't a hard man. He's incredibly generous. He gave his servants responsibility and trusts them with money. He rewards them incredibly. So it's simply not true. And to accuse Jesus of simply taking what he did not put in and reaping what he did not sow is false. Jesus didn't expect us to simply save ourselves. Jesus went all in. He chose to give up his life, accept rejection, so that you and I would be rescued and live. Jesus is not a hard man. He's an incredibly gracious man. And he doesn't say to you, serve me, then I'll accept you. He says, I'll serve you and make you acceptable to me. And now, come and serve me. He graciously saves us to serve him. He graciously saves us and then gets us to be part of his work. I think that's incredible. I feel like it's like when, um, as a parent, you give jobs to your little kids and it's like, they won't do a great job. But that's not the point. He shares the work of the kingdom with us, this privilege and honour. And so, yes, be motivated by the reward and the negative consequences in the the kingdom work. But our primary motivation is that we serve a king who did not seek to preserve his life, but instead he gave it up for us. And so remind yourself that this is the king you serve. And when you do that, you realise serving isn't about being noticed or making it about us. It's about the wonderful privilege and honour to serve Jesus because he first served us. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for this both challenging and encouraging word from our King Jesus. Father, would you help us to know how best to invest in the kingdom with what you've given us in the words of the gospel and in the time and resources and talents that you have blessed us with. Help us to be a blessing to others and help us, Lord, uh, to keep looking to Jesus, the one who truly served us magnificently. May we continue to find the joy and honour that it is to know that we have been served by him and he invites us to serve him for the sake of the kingdom. Amen.